So I've been a Christian for about 45 years of my life, which is longer than some of you have been alive. And if there were two words that I could use to describe my life with God, like the dominant realities in my life with God, it's been presence and absence. So presence and absence. You know, it has never been enough for me to know about God. Like even from a really young age, I have always had and been conscious of this deep longing that I had for the presence of God, you know, to experience God in this really tangible, visceral, experiential way, like to know Christ truly and to experience Christ, to be close to Christ. And that longing for God's presence has never left me, you know, even to this day. And I can say that it has led me to places where I never thought and honestly never really wanted to be. So on the other side of presence has been absence. And so also throughout my life with God, um, I have often struggled with, and it's like I hardly have the words to even really describe it, but I can only describe it as like a sense of the absence of God, like as if God had abandoned me, if God had just forsaken me, like where God was nowhere left to be found. Like when I was in seminary, I used to share with my friends, like I feel like I'm an atheist trapped in a Christian body. Like that's how I feel, you know, no matter how hard I tried. So when I was a young adult, I was really fascinated with the charismatic movement. And so I began attending a vineyard church. And I love the charismatic stream of the church. I love that, um, that stream where there's such faith and expectancy that God is really here and that God's really present. And because of that, like anything is possible. And at the end of the service, you know, like so being in those settings, you know, it's just, it felt so visceral and experiential and tangible. So I wanted to be there. So anyways, at the end of, of Sunday service, there would always be something called ministry time. And ministry time is when you would come forward um, in response to whatever the invitation was. And then prayer ministers would come and like lay hands on you and, and pray for you. And I kid you not, every single time that I went up there for prayer ministry, I'd be up there and all around me, people are dropping like flies. It's like, you know, sometimes they call it being slain in the spirit. You know, people are like kind of falling to my left and to my right, um, you know, physically overcome by the presence of God. Like we see that happening in scripture in certain moments in the Bible. I'm just so overcome by the presence and the glory of God. And I would be the lone person standing with all these people like all around me. And I would be like, um, what about me? <laughs> what about me? Like, do I not want God enough? Is there sin in my life? Um, did, do I not have enough faith? You know, like, what about me? And I would always feel so overlooked, like so passed over. And it was a painful experience to have as a young adult to like long for something so deeply, to long for someone so deeply, and yet feel their absence so keenly. And there was a sense that like God was like out there somewhere, and by my desire, my prayer, my seeking, my believing, my doing, that maybe I might be able to call God down to come into my life in this experiential, tangible, visceral way that I longed for. Well, in our Acts reading today, similarly, there are these themes of God's presence and God's absence. 
So today is the final Sunday of Easter season, and um, we often celebrate the Ascension of Jesus. So the Feast of the Ascension was on Thursday, and then we read about it on Sunday. So Christians often end the story of Christ's work of salvation with the resurrection. So Jesus suffered, he died, and then he rose again, and then one day he'll return. But there is more to that story. There is ascension, and then there's Pentecost. We celebrate the Feast of Pentecost um, next Sunday. So those two things tend to be the overlooked parts in the story, but they are, in fact, the point of the cross and the resurrection, ascension and Pentecost. So we have Jesus who's been appearing to his disciples over the past 40 days since his resurrection. And now we're at this moment that Jesus referred to at the Last Supper in the Gospel of John when he said to his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. So it's kind of a cryptic saying, right? Like how could it possibly be better than Jesus being with here right now, right? Jesus healing the sick, making blind eyes see, the lame walk, feeding the 5,000. You can imagine the disciples saying, Jesus, how could your absence possibly be better than your presence? It's because we, like the disciples, misunderstand what this like quote-unquote absence of Jesus is all about. And that, in fact, his absence is his presence. So let me explain. If you were to ask people to draw a picture of heaven, it would likely be a cloud with a castle on top. You know, something like that. You know, so there's heaven. It's like up in the sky somewhere. And then there's earth down below where all of us are. And, you know, heaven is seen as this like remote place that you go after you die. But this is a misunderstanding of what heaven is. Scripture understands heaven as God's space. It's, the pl- it's where God dwells. It's the place from which God moves and reigns and acts. And heaven is always intersecting with our world. So the ascension makes it seem like Jesus has left the building, right? Like Jesus has just left and then one day he's going to come back. But this image of Jesus ascending, it actually has its roots in the Old Testament. And this would have been burned into the imagination of the disciples. So in Daniel 7, there is a vision, this powerful vision of the Messiah. And the prophet Daniel says, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. So the ascension of Jesus is the fulfillment of Daniel 7, that Jesus has become the world, not just Israel's, but the world's true king. So Paul writes about this in Ephesians when he says that God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We just hear that phrase, the 
fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the historian Diana Butler Bass says that a better translation of the Lord's Prayer, when we always say, our Father who art in heaven, she says a better way to translate that is, our Father in whom is heaven. So our Father in whom is heaven, heaven's life, heaven's abundance, heaven's love, heaven's joy and healing and freedom and strength, who envelops us with heaven, the fullness of God, not in some like remote distant place out there in the spiritual realm, but right here on the earth. And when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, it was this pivot point in salvation history when he was enthroned as the world's true king. And then it was from that place of lordship that he then poured out his spirit on his followers at Pentecost. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the ascension is about the scope of his presence and his power and his love. And that's why he said, it's better for you that I go away because when I do, I will pour out my spirit on you and I will be more present and more near than the world could ever imagine. It means that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. It means that there is no place in our lives or in the world that is too dark, too distant, too demonic, too full of death that the presence and love of Christ cannot reach it. It's like the psalmist says in, in 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? When I was a newly ordained priest back in the fall of 2012, I was about to begin my very first real job as a priest. So I was leaving a meeting with my boss before I was about to start, and I was walking out of the church onto 80th Street. And I'd just gotten an earful from him about how things were going, and they were not going well at the church. So there were buried tensions that were on the verge of erupting. There was conflict on the staff and leadership. There was dysfunction in the system. And dealing with much of that was about to come onto my plate. Awesome. <laughs> so when I was walking out of church, I was stressed. I was overwhelmed. I was full of fear. And so I decided to walk into Riverside Park and I climbed up onto this boulder that gave me this vantage point to look into the park below me. And as I stood there on the boulder, I just prayed and I was like, God, this is too much for me. Like, I don't know what to do. I can't do this. And as I stood there, like pouring my heart out to God, um, I looked down into the park and I saw multiple things at the same time. Like, I don't often claim to have visions from God, but this was for sure a vision from God. So I looked down into the park, and at one, in one part of the park, I could see there was a woman planting flowers. And I felt God say, Christine, there are going to be times when you're just planting, and you're just sowing seeds, and you're not going to see anything to show for your work. And then like in another part of the park on the bench, there was this young mother and she was holding a baby. And I felt like God said to me, and there are gonna be other times when you are going to welcome 
new life into this world. And then I saw a jogger like running with his dog who like, and the dog clearly did not want to be running. And so this jogger was like, pull, trying, like just like pulling the dog across the park. And I felt God say, there are gonna be times when you just feel like you're pulling and pulling and pulling and people don't wanna go where you're going. And then I kid you not, right at that moment, then there was another dog, jogger with a dog and the dog was pulling the owner across the park. And, say, and him saying, sometimes you're going to be the one who feels like you're being pulled faster than you want to go. And then I heard like just the laughter of children coming from the playground and felt God say, you know, there's going to be times of great joy and delight. And then again, I kid you not, right at that moment, an ambulance with sirens blaring just went driving by. And I felt God say, and there's also going to be times of crisis and great sorrow. And then I felt God say, Christine, you know, none of these people can see each other from their different vantage points in the park. But from where you stand, where you are, you see it all. And Christine, that is me. At every point in your life and in every season, I see it all and I am over it all and I'm in it with you in it all. And then I heard, and don't forget to look up, and I looked up and like a flock of birds like flew over my head and then, again, it's like in a movie, and then like this soft rain just started like coming down onto my face. And just God reminding me to, to look up and remember that God's presence is there. I mean, you just like can't make this stuff up. I felt like if it was a movie, this is the moment where like the drone camera would be like zoomed on my face and then it would like lift up and then you'd like see the whole park. But it's that same thing. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. That's where because Christ is seated in the heavenly realms over all rule, power, authority, and dominion. Not way up there, but right here, like present in our time and in our space. And that's why Jesus can say, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The absence, quote unquote, absence of Jesus is actually his presence available to us in a way that wasn't possible when he was just kind of walking around on earth as an individual human being and like limited by space and time. So like the ascension is sort of like part one of this and then Pentecost is part two, which we're gonna talk about more next week. But the ascension isn't just about God's presence with us. It's about our presence in the world. And when Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go. He's saying, you know, his body was broken and raised and ascended. And now because he's Lord of all and because he has poured his spirit out on the church, it means that we too are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Which means not that we're suddenly so like heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but rather it means that we are present filled with God's spirit as his body in the world, in the actual spaces of our world. And as I thought about this, like the phrase that keeps coming to me is putting our bodies on the line. 
putting our bodies on the line. Putting our bodies on the line is what the freedom fighters did when they rode across the South and they faced fire hoses and dogs and beatings. You know, putting our bodies on the line is what we do every day when we step out into the city and into the spaces of our world and where we've been called that desperately need the life and the power of heaven to touch it. So I, I asked Martha if I could tell this story. She's watching online. Um, maybe that's why she didn't come into the space today because I'm about to tell you the story about her. So Martha just started this new job at a school on the Lower East Side. So she's the head of their early education program. And I watched her really pray and discern this vocational move. And it's just so clear that God's called her there. And it's no secret to anyone that this school is a dysfunctional mess. So it is on fire, and, and everybody knows that it's on fire. So there's anxiety, there is opposition, there is resistance, there is limitation of funds. And every day, Martha steps into this mess with her body, like her full, wholehearted, embodied self. And so she dances and plays with the kids in the foyer of the school as they're coming in. She sits down and she listens to these disgruntled, disillusioned teachers who have felt so unseen and unheard in these past years. Also, she doesn't take crap from people when there is nonsense. And she's making excruciatingly hard decisions that affect real people's lives. She's not afraid to be vulnerable, and she gets frustrated, and she gets overwhelmed. And she has wept over this school. Like, she lets her heart hurt for it because she cares. In other words, she puts her body on the line every single day. And heaven breaks through in those moments. Heaven breaks through. She is the embodiment of the love of God and the healing of God and the presence of God in that actual physical space. So we not only follow the crucified and risen Christ, but the ascended Christ, whose body is present in the world because he ascended and has poured his spirit out on us. And so what about you this morning? You know, where do you, where have maybe you wrestled with the presence and the absence of God? And this morning, I want to invite you to just sit with and meditate on what it means that Christ has ascended. And because of that, he is the fullness of him who feels everything in every way, even in those places where it seems like God is absent. And so I just want to invite us to bow our heads together for a moment. And I want you to call to mind, it could be a place in your life, it could be your workplace, like Martha, it could be maybe someone who comes specifically to mind, um, it could be something like the subway, you know, or when you're walking down the streets. But I just want you to imagine a place where you just really long to see the presence of Jesus touch. You know, just where you long for the power of heaven to be present, whether it's in your own life, in the life of someone else, in a community, in our country. 
There's maybe a place that has felt too dark and distant, demonic, too full of death to have any hope for it. And just imagine the faces, or maybe even just the face. And if you can, as you hold that picture in your mind, just imagine the presence of God, almost like water, just filling that space, surrounding that person. Just the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Christ before me, Christ within me, Christ all around. And let that meditation just be a prayer. Christ fills everything in every way in the actual spaces of our lives and in this world. And just bless that place. Just bless that place, bless that person with all the power and abundance and life of heaven just to be made manifest in a real and actual way in their lives. God, open the eyes of our hearts that we might see what is already real, what's already true, that you are here, that you love us, that you love this broken world that you died for. And we bless these places in the name of Jesus. And we pray, would you pour out your healing, pour out your love and pour out your freedom God, we pray, would you use us, Lord, that as we go forth into your world by the power of your spirit, that we could truly be the body of Christ, that we could bring your hands and your feet and your eyes and your voice, that we could bring our courage and our vulnerability and our fears and our strength and, and just all that we are, God, into the places that you call us to, that we might mediate the love and the presence of God in our world. God, we love you. We bless you. And we pray all of this, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.